0: Welcome to the Determined Truth Podcast. I want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Where we aim to explore questions of truth, the scriptures, and what it means for the church today. Here's your host, Rob Dalrymple.
1: We want to welcome to our show today, uh, Dr. Jace Broadhurst. Uh, Jace has an MDiv uh, and a PhD from Westminster Seminary in hermeneutics. He's an Old Testament scholar and he's a pastor of Poolsville Baptist Church in Maryland. Hey Rob, thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about uh, ministry and being a pastor and, and, and church life and uh, what's going on a, a there. What are some of your biggest joys that you experience in ministry and being a pastor?
0: Oh, um, I love, I love the, the, the challenge of pastoring. I love preaching. I love teaching. So those are the jobs that come with it. But I also love people, so, which is interesting because I didn't want to be a pastor because it involved people. I really liked books and the scholarly discourse that went along with all that stuff, but um, I, over 12 years of being a senior pastor, I've fallen in love with people, instead of books. So my great joy is just being around um, this certain group of people that kind of has fed into my life as I've fed into them. So pastoring, not not just preaching, not just teaching, not just discipling, all of that is part of pastoring, but also. And I hate I hate those phrases, but living life together, just, um, right. just trying to
1: I guess encourage the church to be the, to the be the church. Very good. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you find of being a pastor, both you know personally as well as uh, you know as far as the community is concerned?
0: So those people that I um, that I love a <laughs> yeah. lot, uh, they're the biggest challenge too, because sometimes they're as big a pain as I am. Um, You know they they struggle with stuff. They're angry about stuff. They're bitter. They have trouble forgiving people. Um, They they want (laughs) to divorce their spouses. Um, Mm. All the messiness that happens everywhere happens in the church. Mm. We're just a huge group of (laughs) of messy sinners, and you know I I've got to love them through that, and you know and they have to love me through all the same messes. I have all the same desires and pressing things and bitterness and not wanting to forgive so yeah it's the people that are the that are the problem with pastoring obviously Mm, right Uh, of course there's also busyness there's schedule there's so many expectations i don't like all that um you know just trying to prepare a sermon takes far longer than people can imagine that it does Uh, and then trying to prepare teaching lessons on top of that and then doing counseling and then this you know casting vision and Trying to see your family sometimes, and mm-hmm. you know, at least care about everybody's individual ministries. I'm a solo pastor, so I'm kind of doing it all.
1: Right, uh,
0: and yeah, everybody wants you to care about what they're doing, and then visiting people in the hospital, and that needs to happen, or marrying, mm-hmm. or burying, or it's it's a uh, it's a busy. And I think probably the biggest thing is the loneliness of being a pastor. Right, right. What do you There's, mean by that? Uh, so. You know, you take a lot of weight, just the, the burdens of life, everybody's burdens, but you don't share them with other people. right? And, you know, you have a lot of things you're thinking about too, and, and you're as big a mess as they are, but you don't, you want to be transparent. You want to show people that you're a mess, but you also want to be somebody that they can hmm. look to. And that's a struggle. Those are, those are things that, that don't balance each other out very easily, that trying to find that, that, that in between thing.
1: So, so what are some things that you do in your own uh, personal life then as far as the church is concerned in terms of drawing boundaries uh, to make sure that you protect yourself and your family and, and your, your personal spiritual growth as well as you know, letting the church know, hey, look, this is the boundary and, and, and here, here we go.
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've done there is um, create elders around me mm-hmm. and they, they kind of encourage me to have those boundaries. So if you have the right elders around you, they will not actually ask you to do more stuff. They will mm. remind you of your need for rest. And I've got good elders, so mm. um, the people that are around me encourage me. Okay, we're, you're doing too much. We don't need to do this. We don't. I know you've got this big vision for everything happening. We don't have to do all these things. You just you want to jump in and do it. We can't. We can't do everything that you want to do. Um, it'll take. You know, your family won't see you anymore. So I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest boundary marker that I put there. And, Of course, you know, having a family that that's asking me for things. Um, so I have a schedule. I keep mm-hmm. a schedule and I have a calendar and I try to keep to it. If five o'clock comes, generally I go home. Mm-hmm. If there's a meeting and it takes me till 5:30 or six o'clock or there's an evening meeting, then I try to balance that with time away in another place. Mm-hmm. Um, my children are all in school every day, so taking two days off as I'm supposed to do is kind of I, there's no reason to do that mm-hmm. So I'd rather be, you know, sometimes I'll do that. I'll just get off and just read. But reading is part of my job, exactly too. Right, so I'm right. so like, okay, well, I'll take some time off and just pray. Well, that's part of my job, too. I get paid to pray. Yeah, so exactly right. uh, all the things that are spiritual disciplines, I get paid to do because right. um, I'm modeling those things, so, which is also a big problem, actually.
1: Let's talk a little bit about being a scholar. You know, one of the things about being a scholar is you, you have this knowledge, this depth of understanding in terms of the scriptures and you want to pass that on, but then you come to the congregation, the church and you're like, "Okay, so how do I how do I balance my, my desire, my passion for giving you the depth and richness of the scriptures with the fact that where you're at?"
0: Yeah, so that's uh, so that goes back to the other question, loneliness. I said that's one of the, mm. uh, the struggles of being a pastor is you have all the stuff that you want to say I think Emily Dickinson said, tell the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Uh, I can't remember the rest of it, but that's enough right there. Like, we want to tell the truth. We have all this truth that we want to get out there, but we have to tell it carefully. Hmm. We have to bring people along slowly. If you tell them the full truth, um, you won't be preaching anymore. They'll, uh, you know, they have this view of who God is and this view of Scripture that might not be fully accurate and so you just want to slowly introduce them to these other things and that, that works fine because you can show it to them in the bible like it's not some weird extra stuff it's just see how the bible says this and no we've never seen that before okay well there it is like i'm not teaching some weird thing they just haven't read it yet they haven't seen it yet they haven't thought about it with any kind of depth most people aren't you know upset when you get to that spot well sometimes they are. But if you take it, take them through it slowly, and just show them what it is that you've seen over the years, it, it usually works. The problem is that we we want people to jump on board quickly,
1: right, right, right. So it was like, look, look at this.
0: Isn't this exciting? This this changes our whole way of doing everything, right? And they're just like, no, well, you know, the Bible says it. This is it for me. Or does that flood narrative present something else to us that he's trying to get across? then you don't have to ask the question, was there a flood? Was there not a flood? Was there an Adam? Was there not an Adam? Was there a Job? Was there a Jonah? You just have to ask, what is the text trying to get you to think about? What mm-hmm. are you trying to do? And everybody recognizes that. Right. Like We, we all want to know what the Bible is trying to do. Right. So I feel like we went way deeper than you were trying to get from a pastor's answer. So That's that was my scholarly world.
1: So Jason, you talked a little bit earlier about how you know uh, ministry can be lonely, and the pastor and, and the pastor's world can be this lonely world because we can't really go deep with our congregation and showing all of our vulnerabilities as much as we want to be transparent with them. And you've experienced some, some, some deep tragedy in your own personal life. And tell us a little bit about that story and, and what happened there, um, and then how, that, uh, how you handled that as a church and, and how the church handled it as well. Yeah, so almost to
0: the day, um, as of Monday, it'll be three years ago, I lost my wife. She um, died of breast cancer. She was 42, I think, um, so it was a few years ago. Which is way young. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's always too young to use, lose your wife. Yeah. Um, so the last three years have been hell. I've definitely doubted the Bible's, uh, my understanding of the Bible in several mm. places, that, that God will give us a, a peace that passes understanding. I, I mean, I read the verse, and, um, and he didn't. Hmm. So is do, do I just assume from that verse that I must not be a good Christian? Um, or, or that God's or, not real? Or that God's not real? That's right. Yeah. Those were not questions that I really struggled with because I knew both of those things. Like I knew that I was being faithful. Um, of course I'm not always faithful. we talked about that. I'm a messy Christian. Um, mm-hmm. but I was being generally faithful and I believed God was really there. And I think God loved me. I didn't question those things. I just questioned our triteness when it comes to scripture. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we need to rethink the way this has, this is talked about. You know, there's a there's a story, a, a natural narrative to the Bible, but there's also this counter narrative that has been told too. And um, I'm living this counter narrative. I've been obeying, I've been following God, and I didn't get all the blessings of the covenant. Mm. Uh, I got, I felt like I got cursed. Now, I don't mean that God cursed me. I just mean this is the way life is. Um, and I think He's making all things new and making things well. But that is hard to believe when when you're going through this. So. Um, my boys and I have been crushed. The church was crushed. She was the joy of the church in a very real sense. Um, I don't mean to take away from all the other people in the church, but, mm-hmm. but she was a very a bright spot in all of our life. And of course she's a bright spot in my life. So that makes her a bright spot in everybody else's life because I'm the leader of the church. Right. So when I get crushed, the congregation doesn't really know what to do. They don't know how to ask me how I'm doing. They don't know whether I'm just going to burst out crying in front of them um, so they just try to be quiet and stay out of my way and not, yeah. and that's 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 not a good way to do it. I want to talk about her. I love talking about her, and people seem to have forgotten about. Her. I know they haven't forgotten. Mm-hmm. So there's even more loneliness. Right. So I'm lonely because now I don't have a wife that I can bring home my problems to, or who I don't have to. I just say, hey, honey, I've got problems, and she just says, well, just you know, let's sit in front of the TV together. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even have to say. And now I've got all these other people who are kind of avoiding me because they don't know how to talk about this. Right, right. Not for any bad reasons. They love me to death. They would do anything for me. They just don't know what to say. And mm. I get it. I, I mean, I have grace on them. I get it. So now I'm super lonely. So the whole church is just like, what do we do next? How mm. do we how do we recover from this? So it's not just, Jace, how do you recover from this? It's how do all of us recover?
1: Right.
0: And so for three years, um, I, I've basically been leaning on them. Mm. And they have been good. They brought me meals. They cleaned my house. All that happened for several months and, you know, got gift certificates to different places. And that's the way they could bless me. Um, But, you know, none of that's around anymore. Mm -hmm. It's been three years. The church needs to rejuvenate. We need to revive. We need this new move forward. And time does help. It does heal some. um, But it does still come in waves, especially at this time. I'm always... (laughs) <laughs> i'm always at this great bible nerd conference uh, mm-hmm. every time um, except for three years ago mm-hmm. and she died during this conference so i was at home with her uh, and now i'm here and playing with my friends and doing all that kind of stuff but uh, it's it's shallow it's painful it's not mm. the joy is not there anymore
1: uh, how, how has this affected you as a pastor
0: in bad ways and in great ways um Bad ways, all the stuff I just said. Yeah. yeah, you know, I feel crushed a lot of times, but also because of that, I have considerable more compassion on other people. I'm empathetic. I, like, develop these empathy skills just mm. automatically overnight. I watch TV now, and I cry. I, like, I never could have imagined anybody crying at a TV show. Like, right. watching This Is Us is going to make me cry. Watching parents, no, come on. This is, like, that. that's for other kinds of people. Now anything will make me cry. Commercial. Uh, you know, it's like a little kid saying to their dad, I love you, daddy. I'm like, ah! just bawling. So, um, but that's good, I think, as a, as a pastor. Mm. I can enter into people's feelings. I actually understand what they're saying instead of just understanding intellectually, which is what I did before, mm-hmm. like I, I genuinely feel for them. I'm genuinely crushed for them. I don't just pray to pray for someone. I pray because I, I genuinely want to see them healed and cared for. And so I'm begging God to help them as I begged him to help me. So it's, it's a different it, – it's, it's a movement from intellect to emotion to heart. And I think, I think congregations need that in a pastor. It's why my wife wondered whether I would ever make a good pastor, because I didn't have that. I'm I'm steady. I'm very I, you know I don't go up and down in my emotions ever. But really, now I do, uh, but not too much. I'm still relatively steady. But I I can see it now. I can feel it.
1: So, what about someone who, who's going uh, undergoing some a struggle themselves? What's what's your counsel to them in terms of of going through that 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 low point that job experience?
0: Yeah, first of all. Um, be very forgiving to people who tell you that God works out all things for for their good, um, that there's a peace that passes all understanding. All those trite verses that are very true but very misunderstood, right. I think. Um, be forgiving to them because they don't know what else to say. They're mm-hmm. trying to bless you. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, I, I would say jump into these verses a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a God who suffered. Mm-hmm. So... He gets this. He, he walks this with us. Um, I, I don't. I don't give people like. I don't give them an abundance of hope. I don't just sit down and say it'll all be okay. It's not going to be okay. I'm like, if you guys, if you need to, if you need to say some bad words right now, I'm happy to hear them and I'll join you in. Like, I'm okay hmm. with that. I, I want you to realize this is this is truly hell right now. Hmm. And it's okay for you to feel that way. God's not stupid. He understands that's what's going on. That's what he's working to restore, but you're not there yet. And you might not get there for years. So I let them walk in that. It's okay. Um, the psalmist walked in that. Some of the mm, psalms right. end horribly. Right. They don't even they don't even reconcile themselves. Right. Somebody just like, and it's the darkest day.
1: Stop. And I don't know like, if God exists. Like, yeah, right. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Like, wait a
0: second. Like but then other ones, you know, by the same author, praising, you know, praising him like he's right there. And this is real life. Right. This is what happens. Sometimes God's right there. Sometimes he's hidden from our view. He's not that he's not right there, but we can't see him. I let them live in that. That's okay. Would
1: you say that this has given you a deeper appreciation for God and who he is? Yeah, very much so. Right. Yeah. Very well. Uh, what are some things you see in 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 the Western culture now that's making it more difficult for us to do church?
0: Okay. Yes. So I'll, I can name a couple off the top of my head, and I'm sure as I'm rambling on about those, there'll be more. Um, busyness right. is probably one of our biggest curses. Uh, it's a great blessing that we have. We, there's always something to do. We're never right. bored. Uh, interestingly, my kids are always bored, even though there's always something to do. But I think, I think at least in my particular world, people aren't coming home until 7.30 or 8 o'clock at right. night. Kids are going to bed at 10 o'clock. They get an hour and a half with them, including fixing dinner. Uh, they don't have time for church. So, so being Christians in this world, or being people who practice Christian disciplines at all, is nearly impossible to have a devotional time right. um, on your own or with your family to have some sort of family worship. Those things just don't don't exist. Even in, in church, we're thinking about okay, what other cool things can we do? Well, they're not going to come to them. It doesn't. They, we have to pick. Okay, they're going to come two things a week one of them is going to right. be worship if we're lucky right and the other one is some sort of discipleship perhaps at some point they're not going to do a small group and a ladies bible study and come to this party that's going on right. and feed the home they don't they can't right and we need to show grace to them they can't do everything we also probably need to remind them that they don't need to work 900 hours a
1: week um, mhm so pursuing it, the american dream right. etc
0: so the american dream is a major problem i think for right. us um, it's a beautiful thing, and it's you know life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. I'm all for all of those things, um, but it's killing us. So speaking of America, I think that's another one of our our big problems in the church is this um, this rampant uh, patriotism, um, this nationalistic idolatry. Uh, especially Americans, it's not quite as clear in most of the countries I've been in, but some countries have mm-hmm. the same problem. But we certainly see ourselves as, as blessed by God, as some kind of a city shining on a hill. I think that's killing us. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of uh, compassion for anybody else and we don't see them as made in the image of God. And it's not only just America is great, it's whatever my particular tribe within America is also super great. So this tribalism, this, what we call it in high school, cliques. Mm-hmm. Is, um, we almost create our churches around these tribes. These are the kinds of people we are. We are a conservative um, mm-hmm. group of white Americans, mm-hmm. um, middle class, and then those kinds of people come. And when other people come, we, we pretend that we're happy for that they're there, but they don't stay very long because they don't fit into our tribe. Uh, that's, a, that's a horror in the church. Um, I think churches should be filled with all kinds of different people. I think Ephesians 3.10 is the beauty of, of God's wisdom is that he's chosen a church to scream Mm -hmm. out to the heavenlies that God is wise. Like, how do you know God is wise? Look at this messy group of people that all believe different things and can rally together around the cross. It's so beautiful. So this, so I think American individualism is a problem. We don't have this community kind of feel that um, I think Jesus wants us to.
1: Well, uh, Jason, I want to thank you for being with us today. Uh, We will certainly keep you and your family in prayer. We know that the journey is not over. Of course, It, it, uh, continues on and uh, we're going to keep you in our, in our our prayers and your family. And we thank you for, for being with us today. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information on the Determined Truth podcast, you can find us on iTunes. You can follow Rob's blog at DeterminedTruth.com or purchase his books on Amazon.com. See you next time.